When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome once again, everybody, to Blockbuster Mentality. Got another great show for you today. Dave, we you know, are doing this new format. We got guests on our show all the time now, and it's uh, I'm definitely really excited for this one in particular. Are, are you excited as well? I am thrilled, and uh, no offense to our previous guests, but our guests seem to get better and better and better. Welcome to the show, Scott Mans. Oh, thank you so much, fellas. It's great to finally be on. I, you know, when you first asked me to be on your show, it felt like a couple months ago. Well, it was a couple months ago, and it just flew by. I thought July. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm free in July. And yeah, these days I'm definitely free in July. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And yeah, I, uh, you know, just a few reminders here and there I would send you. And you know, it was you know, uh, hope hope I wasn't too annoying. <laughs> but the guy that knocks on your door every other, <laughs> every other day. <laughs> I, I, I usually I, I usually kept it a week a week apart. You know, everything like that. No, but we're thrilled to have you on. Obviously, Scott Mance, the film critic. Uh, known for uh you know his days at access hollywood uh currently are you you still with collider still contributing with collider yeah yeah doing uh you know we've been doing that show uh for your consideration um which uh we we wrapped up our second year when uh when you know parasite made its oscar was history making oscar wins plural yeah and i just thought okay well you know we'll take a bit of a break until until season three and uh, who the hell knows what's going to happen. But uh, <laughs> this past award season uh, was really, really something. Uh, I, I, I called Parasite early. I called it really? early. And it was like, imagine that the best movie of the year would actually win the Academy Award for Best Picture. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. Now, how, how often do you, would you say you, you get the Best Picture right? And I'm not talking Oscar night. Oscar night, it's easier to predict. Predict. I'm saying when you see a movie in the middle of the year, <laughs> have you ever done that before early and it won Best Picture? Well, Off uh, the top of your head. <laughs> in terms of seeing a movie early, that's actually a really great question. In terms of seeing a movie early and calling it, right away i would say that the closest i ever came to that was la la land oh oh, i saw that i saw that film i can tell you the day it was september 2nd 2016 at 2 30 p.m at the chuck jones (laughs) 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 at the telluride film festival and i was on a mission with that movie i just love that movie hook line and sinker and it's not that I didn't love Moonlight. Moonlight was my second favorite movie of the year. And I saw that. I saw Moonlight. Okay. So on September 2nd, 2016, I saw three movies in Telluride. Uh, La La Land, Moonlight, and Arrival with Amy Adams. And oh. those were like the three best movies of the year. Absolutely. And, uh, um, you know, for, for about two minutes, 
I was right. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, those were back to ba- back to back to back. Yeah, Arrival I think was my La La Land was my first that year. Arrival was my second. Amazing film. Well, let's be clear though, Scott. You just hit on. I think you you just made possibly Ben's best friend here because La La Land is one of his absolute favorite movies and one that he goes back to and back to and back to. So uh, that's great that you uh, you identified that one early because I, I know that's hitting Ben in the feels now. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I mean that that film and. And I, I was going to bring that up as a, one of the movies that we were going to talk about uh, potentially, but I feel like I've talked about that movie yeah. so much. <laughs> I need to just step away. And uh, <laughs> but, but really, you know, uh, you know, there in in terms of the Oscars, you know, because because that's actually a really great question. So in the last few years, I did pick the Oscar-winning Best Picture three times and and what made those three times unique were that they were they were in the minority they weren't the front runners to win so uh you know obviously uh, you know parasite was not the front runner to win that mm-hmm. would have been 1917 right and then, uh last year the front runner to win was roma but i called green book uh not because i really thought it was really the best movie of the year but because of the the way that the best picture is chosen with yeah. this uh, preferential balloting. It's really kind of a mess. And right. uh, for 2015, everybody was picking The Revenant for best picture, and I correctly predicted Spotlight. So wow. take that, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it, it's one of two Oscars, right? It won screenplay, I believe, and uh, and just oh, best picture, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah just yeah. just the two, and it won. It's still one. It's crazy to me. I so, mean, it's good film, but yeah, still shocking. But you called it, so not shocking to you. So, <laughs> but best director. I mean, Alejandro Gonzalez Inaritu. So he won Best Director two years in a row. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he won for The Revenant, but he also won for Birdman. I mean, imagine winning Best Director two years in a row. I mean, that is just absolutely incredible. Yeah, that's I mean, even yeah, it seems like any any awards. I mean, obviously you had Tom Hanks back to back and, you know, the 90s with Philadelphia and Forrest Gump and, you know, acting wise. But, yeah, it's just that's. Yeah, that's amazing. It's history. Well, well, here's my question for you. Has there yes. been a not not necessarily a movie, but a performance, an actor or an actress who you saw a film and right then and there while watching the movie you said that person is winning the Oscar? This uh I mean, I am not sure how you feel about this film. I I did say that about uh, uh Joaquin this year with Joker. I I love yeah. that film. Uh you know, I know how people have their feelings about it and and, and all that, but um I am one of the I'm I'm one of the ones that advocate for it. Uh Joaquin, but I'm trying to think uh earlier years. Um oh man. Like for example, for example, when I saw uh Inglorious Bastards Mm-hmm. I'm watching Christoph Waltz yes. going, he's going to win. Yep. Uh, when I saw, okay, when I saw Whiplash at the Sundance Film Festival, this yeah. is in January, in January, yeah. and uh, I, I'm watching uh, 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 
uh, blanking on his name now. Uh, you know, not my tempo. Uh, you know, he was uh, geez, oh, J- J.K. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Yeah. Simmons. Yeah. But I'm like watching that role, watching that character going like, Jesus, he doesn't win the Oscar. And of course yeah. he did. I actually I feel like that's the case with uh, supporting actors and actresses more. Mm. I feel like the, the, those performances stick out more than than the leading, and they're I've I got think, one easier though to predict. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Uh, Casey Affleck and uh, in Manchester by the Sea. Oh yeah, that's I a mean, great one. That movie basically broke me in half. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The performance. I mean, the movie. I, honestly, I never I've never seen not just his. Uh, the, maybe that movie just had a, a, an entire mood. Um, that like infected me and I'm sure everybody else, but I, I've never, I've never got tears within the first 30 seconds of the movie before there was dialogue or anything. <laughs> just that scene on the ship with the music. I'm like, Oh no, this is one of those things. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, but Ka- Casey Affleck, I would say that, that would be the one that would be my answer. Yeah. yeah. I think Renee, Renee Selwaker is another one. When I saw uh, Judy uh, at Telluride last year, um, you know, uh, it was, it was the, you know, the first night of the festival, it was a, it was the Friday night and the screening was at six 30. And I thought, you know, I don't know if this movie's going to make a whole lot of money at the box office, but she's going to win the Academy award. And she, she won. It was her second Oscar after winning supporting actress for Cold Mountain. And I, what I really loved about, about what she did with that role is she didn't, she didn't go over the top with it. You know, she didn't make it like uh Faye Dunaway and mommy dearest, mm-hmm. you know, she right. really, you know, played her with a lot of empathy and, you know, she, you know, humanized the role, you know, you really felt for her and, and, uh, she just really crushed it. But, uh, yeah. I'm just really curious to see what happens with the Oscars next year. If yeah, even, uh, this is shaping up to be a really great year uh, for, for <laughs> awards. Right? <laughs> yeah, best actress goes to yeah. Elizabeth Moss for the Invisible yeah, Man. We're like, we're like the old- what came out this year? Okay, we'll just give it to that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird uh, next. Uh, who knows how long it's gonna be weird for? Uh, yeah, next, yeah. Uh, I, I was gonna say couple months, but it's gonna be even weirder longer than that so yeah unfortunately uh yeah definitely uh before we get into thelma and louise the movie chosen by scott mance uh, to talk about today scott i do want to say one thing and um this is how i became a fan of you which is when your appearances on the cinephiles which are all epic great they're amazing that's how i that's actually how i how i became uh, how i knew knew of you and then became became a fan fan of yours by the way john and, and steve have been harassed both of them to come on to the show so they've been oh, i'll tell them let's, let's i'll tell them they both uh, they both came on uh, but i want to say the the episode which really changed uh my perspective of a film which was uh close encounters of the third kind after hearing that episode i went back and watched that film and I absolutely love that movie. I think it is honestly my favorite Spielberg film. Ben will fight me for E.T., but I love that movie so freaking much. And every time I see it, it gets better and better and better. And uh, I credit you for that. Oh, well, thank you. And I got to tell you, I, I love that movie to pieces. And uh, Close Encounters is uh, one of two, I would say, favorite movies because I I kind of go back and forth between two films, uh, films that I love equally as far as being like my favorite movie ever. One is Close Encounters and the other is Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blade Runner is also a film that I talked about with uh, John and Steve on, on yeah. Cinephiles. And, um, you know, but Close Encounters, you know, wh- whereas Blade Runner was a film that I had to grow into. Like I didn't, I didn't get it when I saw it 
1982. Right. Um, I, I didn't really get it till 1992. And even then, <laughs> I didn't really get it uh, better until the final cut in 2007. But Close Encounters was different because of the way it, it covers so many emotions mm-hmm. and it holds up. And it is such a sublimely beautiful film about this guy who just did not belong here. He was not going to be happy with his family. (laughs) And he, he, you know, uh, if, you know, I've I've heard Spielberg say that if he made Close Encounters today, he would not have had Roy Neary leave his family and Mm -hmm. leave at the end of the film. And to that, I say, thank God he didn't make it today. (laughs) We would have never gotten Uh, that amazing journey, right? Because maybe, you know, even putting that aside, maybe, you know, if you're if you don't belong, I think we've all felt we don't belong here, right? And there was something mm-hmm. else for me. And there were, you know, it's good that Roy Neary had that option, which is, oh, the aliens are telling me to build the mound and find the mound and then go there and okay, now I can go away with them. Uh, but for most yeah. of us, it's not that not that it was simple for him, but for most of us, we can never really di- like dis- discern the answer. But even if it even if he did have a family, and I was thinking of that, well, maybe you still got to go no matter what. Right. I mean, mm-hmm, and maybe mm-hmm. they should understand too, that, you know, daddy's, daddy's got to go to the aliens or something. <laughs> well, from, from the beginning of that film, when they first show the Neary's at home, you know, they're living in this stuffy, stuffy ha- home. It's a small place. And, uh, you know, Roy, uh, you know, Richard Dreyfus wants to watch the 10 commandments yeah. and the, the kids are, are breaking all the toys. And, uh, you know, Terry, uh, Terry Gar, his wife, uh, mm-hmm. Ronnie is, is not, is, is nagging him like crazy. <laughs> Who can blame him for wanting to right. get the hell out of there? <laughs> it's <was> chaos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's kids asking his help for homework. He's like, I had to do it by myself. Go ahead. You, you can do it too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but, but he was also, you know, uh, he was also just a big kid. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, if you really think about Roy Neary, Richard Dreyfuss in that movie, he was a big kid. Kid. He had a he had a train set. He <laughs> wanted to go, he wanted to take the kids to see Pinocchio. Yeah. He built a life uh, uh, a scaled model version of Devil's Tower in his living room. Right. So <laughs> so that's why you know I also say in regards to Close Encounters that you know E.T. the Extraterrestrial, which is often regarded as uh, one of Spielberg's very best movies, which it is, to the point where it overshadows Close Encounters. I don't think people talk enough about Close Encounters being really up there. But I don't think that Spielberg could have made E.T. had he not made Close Encounters first. Great point. Right. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like uh, you know the, the obviously folks we're going to talk about Thelma and Louise after uh, this discussion of uh, <laughs> but it's almost like it's like almost like a grown up Elliot is you know Roy Neary at that point and then yep. you know it's almost like, you know kind of you see that juxtaposition there you got a grown up kid and then you got an actual kid you know going, oh that's a great point yeah, yeah nice I, you know I that's what I'm here for Dave um, so but, yeah uh, is, but, is Elliot the is Elliot Roy is like a, like like a prequel <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Elliot is what would happen if E.T. never came Roy, or Roy Neary is what uh, Elliot would have been if E.T. never showed up there we go you know, we figured it out and both movies, you know, are about first contact, and right, they're, right. you know, the Close Encounters is, is a, on a really a, a global scale, uh, uh, you know, whereas ET is done in, in a very intimate way. But both of them are are told with such sensitivity and such beauty. And mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. 
There you yeah. go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. No, good stuff. Good stuff. But that is the story of how I became a Scott Mans fan. Yes. Well, thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate that. <laughs> my my first experience, I'll just real quickly, was you on the Schmodown. So uh, you the the John Roca match. So. Uh, oh, yeah, man. the the famous Bad blood there, match. right? <laughs> well, wait, there, there were two. There was the, the Bestman match, the which Bestman I won, was the, and yeah. then there was the second match, what he won. Uh, so, right, yeah, it was the Bestman one. Well, when's the when's going to be the the tiebreaker, the, uh, the rubber match? Man, you know what, Dave? Everyone <laughs> asked that question. And, <laughs> Way to go, uh, Dave. Well, I got to tell you, maybe uh, you know, uh, John and I have talked about it. Uh, you know, he. he I will, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's the best response. That's <laughs> it's generic, but you know, you got to be generic sometimes. You know, even wanting more <laughs> is what I say. Yeah, there you yes. go. There you go. Uh, now, uh, Thelma and Louise, nineteen ninety one, directed by Ridley Scott, uh, starring obviously Gina Davis, Susan Sarandon. You also have. Michael Madsen in there, Harvey Keitel, Brad Pitt is and is this is this his first movie? Scott, uh, it's, you, his, it's his definitely his breakout role. Yeah, sure. okay. And um, so basically, I sent you a list of movies, I believe, but you you came up with uh, this one. Why we're obviously going to get into the movie, but why why did you pick Thelma and Louise? That is a great question. And when when I I really gave it a good, good thought after, you know, uh, you know, you would reach out to me, you would offer suggestions on other movies. You know, I really thought, well, in terms of the movies that sort of people know that I love, you know, those movies obviously are Blade Runner, Close Encounters, probably Apocalypse Now, definitely Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Yes. Um, you know, uh, probably A Hard Day's Night because I'm a massive Beatles fan. But the one movie that I never really get to talk about that I've always loved ever since I first saw it when it opened on May 24th, 1991 at the barn in Doylestown, which is a little north of Philadelphia. I have loved this movie and I, I sort of don't watch it a lot because I don't want to get tired of it. Right. I watch it when I'm really, really, really in the mood to watch it, or it's been a long time. And I want to sort of come as close as I can to having like that first time experience again, because maybe I just don't remember uh, the details of the film. And yeah, you don't it, want it, it to get stale, you know, you don't, yeah, want I don't, to, I don't yeah. want it to get stale. Yeah. But what happened was I watched it uh, maybe two months ago and I was I, I couldn't believe how how much not only does the film hold up perfectly in the sense that it could have been shot today, and like there's nothing about the film that's dated. Nothing. Uh you don't you don't hear them talking about, you know, President Bush, you know. Right. Uh, yes. yeah. That's a great point. I hate dialogue that that just defines itself by the time that it was made. It just always drives me nuts. So great. Yeah, call you don't that. you don't hear them talk about Operation Desert Storm or you know, there's right. nothing about it that's <laughs> yeah. dated at all. And as a result, it is it is a timeless film. But gentlemen, this is the first time that I've seen the film since the Time's Up movement, since the Me Too movement, and so much has changed. And is continuing to change in the Hollywood respect mm -hmm. with respect to gender balance and diversity that I felt like this movie is so perfect for the here and now 
but it is also just uh, an extremely entertaining film. It is a rousing film about right. female empowerment, about best friends. It is also, if you think about Ridley Scott, who's one of my favorite directors, <laughs> yeah. like look at the movies he had made I up know. to that point, right? Right. Yeah. Like, that's like, how could the director of Alien? Yes. Go the, on to make Thelma and Louise. Right. That's you stole the words out of my mouth. Yes, exactly. The, the director of Alien. He made Blade Runner. And then yeah, he makes Thelma and Louise. I actually I'm not gonna lie, before this show, I, I did not realize he was the director. I, I didn't wow. I, I didn't even realize it. Like it didn't even occur to me that he directed this thing. And when I saw that, I my mind was blown. Uh yeah. He just, has the most incredible resume. Ridley yes. Scott uh, of question. movies that he'd made. And uh, we did an episode. Everything's diverse. Of oh, his. it's like, so, it totally yeah. is. And then he he did, I mean, he does the, the historical action stuff, which I love all of that. I eat it all up. And honestly, in, in, in the, the Alien sequels have been uh, chewed up and spit out by everybody. And I still kind of like them, honestly. <laughs> <I still kinda laughs> like them. Um, you know, I, the, the Alien sequels, um, you know, Aliens, the second one, that James Cameron directed. Mm-hmm. So, so just uh, not to digress here, but I do a uh, a film show on my own YouTube channel called Rank and File, where I rank all the films in yeah. a series from worst to best. All right. So, I recently did Alien, and you know, trying to pick between Alien and Aliens as the better film was really tough. Which do uh, you prefer? It's uh, I, I'm. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm gonna go the original Alien, but I, I, I definitely see uh, Cameron did. He did more. Of, it, it was less. He, he just moved the movie along more, and it, it, there yeah. was still there was still good story in there, even though it was Cameron action. So yeah, I, neck and neck. I just gonna have to just go with the original Alien. But yeah, I could definitely understand yeah. anyone that says aliens i got i got i got no beef with basically <laughs> yeah hey ben, what about you ben i am I'm, I'm the whenever it's that close i usually do defer to the original other than i think empire strikes back um because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like that with yeah aliens uh or i'm sorry alien um like that with godfather and godfather 2 I, I always just lean towards the first one um I, I don't know i just like the the start of it all and just you know that's that's the original but again as dave said you know i can't i w- tomorrow i might have different feelings like i would be like ah, i'm in the mood for aliens and i think that's the better movie so it's so where do you land, so neck Scott? and neck did you say or oh yeah yeah so so the what so i really went back and forth on this and i did i did a, a poll on twitter where i asked you know the followers and everything which movie do you like more and i got 2500 votes and it was really really close the winner with 53%, which is not a wide margin, no. was was the original Alien, 47% okay. for Aliens. So ultimately, I chose Aliens, the sequel, because of the Oscar-nominated performance of Sigourney Weaver, yeah. which she did with Ripley, the way she made her just this one of the great action heroes of all time. Mm-hmm. But she was also, you know, very motherly to, you know, Newt. And I like the cat, the other characters, the space Marines. Uh, it's great dialogue. Get away from her, you bitch. Yeah. But I also, <laughs> but I also love how the movie is an allegory for the Vietnam war. You know, that these, oh, yeah. these space Marines with all their power and all their, their bravado, were no match for these aliens. He just came, this kept coming at him, strength in numbers, you know. But yeah, but 
you know, like, but for Alien and Blade Runner, which are are two of my favorite movies ever, and 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 then you know, uh, you know, Black Rain, which is an action movie with Michael Douglas, and then Legends, you know, underrated fantasy with Tom Cruise of all people. Uh, but th- like Thumb of Louise, I remember in '91, you know, my my film appreciation wasn't as deep as it is now, but I just remember watching the opening credits where it's just showing the mountain range yeah. uh, and it go and it goes from color to black and white. And it says directed by Ridley Scott. And I went, yes. huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. We have the right exactly, guy here. <laughs> exactly what I did when I saw this movie on IMDb. I was like, what? What? Yep. What? What's happening here? What, what world of, am I living in right now? Uh, but yeah, that's a you know gorgeous uh, cinematography. I don't believe I don't believe it was nominated for cinematography. I usually have the list in front of me, but it was nominated. I know Scott. Go ahead. I know you, I'll you, you, have, you. The, I'll you have the stats. <laughs> I got. I'm, I'm the stat guy here for you. So, <laughs> Great. So it was a, a, a won one Academy Award for uh, best original screenplay. It was nominated for cinematography, for best director for Ridley Scott, for editing, and it got not one but two nominations for best actress. Yes. Both Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis were both nominated for lead actress in the same year. Only one of four times that that has happened in Oscar history. And I believe That's that because it's not really clear who the lead is here. I mean, it really is a co-lead uh, for, for both of these yeah. actresses and they both yes, it is. bring uh, great performances by both. So yeah. uh, by the way, Scott, we, uh, we we're not necessarily uh, tied to chronological order. So uh, we can, we can start at the end. <laughs> we can, well, we don't probably, can <laughs> yeah, yeah, game, yeah. but we can move around here. So we're not, don't feel like we need to wait for something. So if you've got something to go ahead and chime right in. So, well, um, yeah. Uh, well, I was even going to say, I mean, you brought up the me too movement. I think watching that in the eyes of 2020 now, I think makes the film more powerful. You know, it's uh, you know, I, I, you know, because I know, you know, 90s articles and things like that. If you look that up, there were some, you know, there was a little bit of backlash to the film uh, I was reading up about. Um, but if you look at it in today's eyes, it's like, wow, yeah. very, very, very powerful. And we are thrilled to step into this minefield. Uh, so yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then another fun fact I had about the uh, Oscars. So originally this was a. Uh, Jodie Foster and Michelle Pfeiffer were cast as Thelma and Louise. Interesting. And pre-production, I guess, took too long, so they had other commitments that they had to go to. So Jodie Foster won the year uh, for Silence of the Lambs. She won uh, Best Actress, while the uh, you know Susan Sarandon, Gina Davis were nominated in the next year. I'm not sure if it was the project she had to leave for, but Michelle Pfeiffer was nominated uh, for Best Actress. Uh, in in uh, again, forgetting the movie. You know that the thing is with, with with regards to Thumb and Louise. Yeah. So uh, it won it won the Academy Award for Original Screenplay. It was the only film to win any major award. By major, I mean like, you know, picture director, screenplay actor, actress, that kind of thing. Uh, Because all the other top awards went to Silence of the Lambs, Mm. which came out that same year. And so so Jodie Foster, you know, she passes on Thelma Louise, but she still wins the Academy Award (laughs) that very same year for the other film, Silence of the Lambs. And 
you know, obviously, uh, you know, most people know that Silence of the Lambs, one of three movies to to sweep the Oscars, as yeah. they say. Um, yep. But well, then the last know, one to do so. The the backlash that or the controversy, I would say, um, I remember all too well the controversy around Thelma and Louise. I remember it so vividly. I remember watching, a, I think it was the Today Show or GMA or one of those morning shows mm-hmm. that they were on, and the conversation got really heavy. And I also remember that, mo- I think it was the following month after Thelma and Louise opened, they were on the cover of Time Magazine, uh, Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon. And the cover story for a movie, it said, why Thelma and Louise strikes a nerve. I'll never forget wow. The cover of Time Magazine to call to call out Thelma and Louise for for uh, causing a lot of much needed conversation, and at yeah. the time, it was predicted that Thelma and Louise would, among other things, change the course for women to have a more prominent role in terms of lead actresses that they wouldn't play the girlfriend. They wouldn't be relegated to rom coms. That they would have more substantial empowering roles. But you know that didn't really happen. Uh, it, it took it took a, a a colossal, fundamental, and long overdue shift in the business. Right. So started. you're saying this was a, a revolutionary film for its time, then? Because oh. Ben and I are a little disconnected from that from that bit of history. So because because when I watched it, I'm like, eh, I don't have a problem with two female leads essentially. <laughs> uh, but 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 it did make a big. It kind of made a splash uh, in its time. That, that, it, that, I, I'm telling you, guys. I just remember so well. Uh, you know, I was a I was uh, still living in Philadelphia at the time. I you know I, I moved out of Philly in uh, September of '91. I moved to New York and then LA three months later. But um, it was uh, it was it was such a a big deal. Well, for one thing, the ending, like that the ending was so controversial and so shocking, and it's still shocking. The last yep. time I watched the film a couple months ago, and I was watching it, uh, uh, you know, at home, um, obviously, because that's where we all are. <laughs> There's nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah. There's nowhere to go. Um, and I just so, – so they drive off the cliff, and you see the car in midair, and then the uh, – the, uh, it, it freezes on the car, just sort of hanging in the air, and it fades to white. Right. And then it cuts to the credits, yeah. and you see them in the car, like having fun, joking around. And I'm watching this after all these years, going, "Oh my god! Like, <laughs> wow! Like, like yeah. what a daring! Did they really? Oh, <laughs> did they really do that?" <laughs> <laughs> It's just so – it was like – like I just remember I went uh, – my, my girlfriend at the time, uh, Linda, um, you know, uh, she just looked at me and I, <laughs> I, I like was like, that, that's it? And I was like – you know, I had a big – I had a big grin on my face, not because yeah. they, they had to do that, <laughs> but I had a big grin on my face because it was unexpected. Mm. It was shocking. It it did not have a Hollywood ending at all. Right. What what do you by a Hollywood studio? What do you think? How do you think it would have been perceived, or how would you have perceived it if it just cut to black? Oh, cut to black right there instead of white. Yep. Oh wow! And and doesn't show the montage at the end. 
Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> it's even darker. That's you know, that's <laughs> it just ends like uh, you, know, just, you know what that that would have been like the Sopranos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Wait, did they survive? I don't know. Did they? <laughs> you know, that's yeah, a great that was, question. Like, what if it yeah. faded to black and you don't see? You don't see that. It would have been outrage. <laughs> right. You know, people would have been like, what the what the F was that? Yeah, what a yeah. Down, yeah. Am I allowed to drop the F bomb? No, you yeah, can you are, say yes. whatever the hell oh, you okay, want, good. Scott. Um, but no, I, I think that that, you know, fading to white like that and, and then seeing them yeah. in the car, you know, in a lighter moment where they're just like having fun with each other, um, you know, happier times. Uh, right. That, and it's almost just, like what they're seeing as the car is flying off, you know, kind of like the last great, you know, this is the last great weekend they had, almost like the greatest weekend they have, even though the traumatic things that happened to them. But they they became free, I believe, you know, in yeah. that moment, that moment that that you could also make the case. And I think you're touching on this now is that at the moment that they are about to meet their maker you know, they say that your life flashes before your eyes and yep. their life, their happiest time together was this lost weekend that they had together. And part of the, the, uh, the controversy, it's still, it, it stirred up here, uh, among other things, uh, first and foremost was it showed that these, these two women, that their only way out was, was to get out for good, that there was no hope that they would rather end it all then take their chances in a man's world right, where, right. and this was the other thing uh, that with the exception of Harvey Keitel's character, uh, Hal, and, and maybe, you know, Michael Madsen who plays uh, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy, yeah. the boyfriend of uh, Luis's boy, character. Yeah. Yep. Um, every other guy in this movie is depicted as a real, as a <laughs> yeah, real they're terrible. They're all bad. <laughs> uh, they're all bad. And you know what? Yeah. I, I thought yeah. like, again, a very daring, uh, thing to do, a very daring direction to take. But you and know, is that what struck a nerve back then too? Is just oh, it's a man hating film. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, there were there were definitely a, a lot of critics and a, a and a lot of on air personalities that criticized the film for being so degrading towards men. Well, what about the ninety nine point nine percent of the movies <laughs> right, that are degrading right. towards women? Are you kidding? Yeah, um, right. But and these, was, these two women who went through traumatic experiences, you know, these two characters that went through traumatic experiences in this movie. Well, you know, we don't see, obviously, what Susan Sarandon went through, you know, in Texas. We still don't mm-hmm. fully know what happened there and obviously what happened to Gina Davis, everything like that. So, I mean, we do, you know, e- even within this movie, women are treated uh, <laughs> terribly. Um, yeah, exactly. But, but also in 1991, in 1991, uh, there was a... Everybody had a role. Everybody had a, a place. Uh, you know, there were traditions. And Thumb of Louise uh, sort of shook those traditions. It was that there was a, uh, a, 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 a it, was, it was threatening a, for a, a bigger shift in roles that women and men played in society. Yeah. And that this was a, a popular film. I mean, popular in a sense, it, it made like about $45 million at the box office on a $16.5 million budget. So it was definitely a successful movie. And $45 million, 91 is pretty good uh, domestically. Yeah. yeah. But it, it was, it was, there was a lot to the movie. And the screenwriter, uh, Callie Corey, originally she wanted to direct the film and do it as a very low budget movie. 
and shoot it documentary style, but uh, kind of like, you know, almost like Reds. But in sure, the end, yeah. you know, in the end, they, they went uh, with what they went with. And, you know, in terms of the casting, how, oh, you know, uh, you know Jodie Foster, it was supposed to be Jodie Foster, Michelle Pfeiffer. And at one point, it was also going to be uh, Meryl Streep and Cher. That's another pairing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> when you watch a film yeah. or watch any kind of movie or TV show and an actor just crushes a role to the point where you cannot imagine anyone else no. in the role. That's when you know that you got gold. And Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis are just just magnificent in this movie. And uh, yeah. it, it really is it really is a uh, uh, that it, it all starts. You know, they're they're breaking free. You know, uh, yes. Uh, uh, you know, Thelma has this like asshole husband played by uh, Chris <laughs> McDonald. Um, <laughs> by the way, isn't he? Uh, sorry, just to jump in, isn't he absolutely hilarious throughout this whole film? <laughs> oh, the guy yeah. is like laugh out loud funny. I mean, especially just in that like that early scene in the beginning of the movie where he's like. I don't know. He's got, he's got, it's like, I'm the, what is he? I'm the regional manager or something. And he flips the key (laughs) out of the chain and he gets into his, gets into his Corvette, you know, and she's got a ship box that she has to drive. I mean, it is, the guy is absolutely hilarious because he's playing, he's over the top, but I think it it, it explains the character. And I think Scott, you know, it's something that you were uh, like nibbling on the edges of is something that we've heard a lot over the last couple of years is for these characters, this idea of agency, uh, for these female characters, they're choosing to do things, even if these choices and what we're going to get to them, even if these choices are really bad or wrong. Um, and that's what we see. That's what we've seen. And uh, for, for, for male characters to make bad decisions, um, you know, sometimes as they're going out through, through whatever they're doing, we see in movies. And maybe that was kind of the change showing these, these two female leads having real agency in everything that they do. So, yeah, I, I definitely appreciate that. You know, for the for this for this one weekend, uh, that that they really felt alive, they really felt free, and to to go back to anything less than that, I mean, even even Thelma says, you yeah. know, I, I like something's changed inside of me. I can't go back. I mean, right. like look at the look at what they do with the cop in the desert <laughs> when they put in the trunk, yeah. and look what they did with the big rig driver that uh, you know. Uh, oh yeah. Asshole. <laughs> <So>. Exactly. <laughs> you got yeah, got what got what he deserved. Maybe maybe deserved he deserved a little more. Uh but uh yeah, there's a lot of a lot of you know, for such serious tones, you know, during the movie, there's a lot of lighthearted moments and kind of fun moments in this movie, you know. Yeah, I mean obviously the scene with the you know, them blowing up the the gas truck, you know, that's a that's a fun scene, even though you're it's kind of suspenseful because you don't know, are they gonna kill this guy again? Like yeah. what, are they gonna kill I kinda think this guy? movie's borderline comedy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 There, there's a. It's. It's a. I would say it's a dark comedy. Yes, I mean, right. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of funny moments. So like the biker comes by and he blows the pot into the truck. <laughs> oh, where the cop is. Yeah. yeah there's and, comedy to it. And um, how about when Gina Davis is uh, robbing the? They have the footage of her robbing the convenience <laughs> store. Her being yeah. all polite. I love that moment. It's so uh, great. nobody loses their heads. Nobody's going to lose their heads. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So you know, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead yeah, sorry. I was just going to say Gina Davis. The, the arc of Thelma, the arc of her character, that she just goes from being just this really submissive uh, woman who has uh, uh, really uh, a, a low, low self-esteem, a poor opinion of herself, and the way that she 
grows the way. Yeah. And, and again, it's just over the course of one weekend, but the way that she just becomes like, like she comes into her own. I mean, granted uh, a lot of the, uh, uh, it all happened because of a, uh, a very unfortunate, I would say uh, inciting incident. Yeah. So let's <laughs> talk about say. that. Uh, yeah. So they end up that um, they're going to, um, I believe, uh, Louise Susan Sarandon's uh, boss's cabin somewhere off somewhere, and they end, right. they end up um, a lot of truck stops and a lot of truckers wherever they're going. Um, they end up in, I guess, some kind of a bar. Have you guys have you guys ever been to a bar that looks anything like this? <laughs> I just want to ask. Thankfully, I have not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, no. Uh, now, country music isn't really my uh, cup of tea anyway um and me neither uh, yes wine dancing you know cowboy boots hats not my thing at all (laughs) but the score the score for this film just uh, touched on the score uh again and this wasn't something i've really noticed until when i saw the movie recently do you know who did the music for this film it was hans zimmer Hans Zimmer. <laughs> it's unbelievable. How? Yeah. In what? In what planet is this Hans Zimmer? This doesn't sound like Inception. Or like this. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's it sounds. Uh, uh, I mean, it's very very much a, a country music inspired. Right. Inspired, but, but it's just like when you look at Hans Zimmer's, like uh, you know that that big thumping <laughs> kind of yeah, like, uh, right. uh, Inception and. Right. Yeah. Rises and all these like you know real heavy heavy things in this movie that's this is is more like (laughs) 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 Like it's it's like wow that's Hans wow (laughs) can't believe it no I was gonna say they're they're like they're they're uh they're they're there and and you you know that something is coming bad because uh you know this guy uh, Harlan played by Timothy Carhart. Yeah. is uh, coming on to Thumb uh, and he's uh, coming well on played by the way strong. very well played very well played uh, not uh, and and then you know uh, Louise is just you know trying to be the voice of reason we, we gotta go we gotta go <laughs> you, you know that this is not gonna end well. Yeah, because Thelma is very childlike, I think, right? As she's she doesn't know she's got a husband who's very domineering. She's kept at home. She probably yeah. isn't allowed to leave the house very often. Is, afra- is afraid to ask him, yeah. you know, to go out for a weekend with her friend. <laughs> you yeah, know? totally. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, and she- here's some guy, this very charming kind of very pushy guy, but not in a at, at this point, not in a bad way, just someone who's showing her attention, someone other than her husband, who clearly, although he's hilarious, <laughs> is not showing her any attention that she deserves. And she just gets, gets kind of carried away dancing with him. And then they end up outside. And then, wow, because, well, she's sick, right? And then she's, he's like, yeah, I know what you need. You need some fresh air. Yeah. Uh, and then why don't you come <laughs> yeah. behind this car as I force myself upon you? And then it gets right. dark very quickly. Yeah, she she uh, she's had too much to drink. Yeah, and uh, you know she gets uh, dizzy and nauseous, and he he's uh, had too much to drink himself. But he he wants to have his way with her. He takes her outside, and and uh, after you know having fun on the dance floor and getting very very touchy feely, too close for comfort, he feels entitled yeah. to go one step further. And you know she resi- she it is uh, obviously is is you know, no, don't do this. Come yeah. on. You know, she's told, please stop, please stop. And then it taps right into Louise's uh, nightmare, right. her own mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. And that experience makes her 
uh, motivates her to pull the trigger. Yeah, and that th- this kind of, uh, you know, obviously it's a almost a hurrah moment because we're like, I'm so glad that guy's dead because he's a horrible human being. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it, it kind of taps into uh, the logic of the decisions made in this movie. Like, at first you're like, yeah, why don't they just call the cops and, you know... Uh, claim self-defense which you know pretty much was uh this is murder they were walking I want to away be clear about something. Turned... this Go is ahead. murder i don't know how yeah. you can i mean i don't know if this is a critique necessarily but there's no gray area here i mean no situation is done and he makes a comment and she shoots him in the heart i mean well, well wait hang on is it murder or is it self-defense well I that's it, the thing yeah i that's think at the... this point there's no because he's done. I mean, I, I think it's this is a homicide. I, I, if someone witnessed it, yes, I think it would be. If she shot him while he was having his way with her, I don't. Yeah. I think it would have been self defense. You, you disagree, know? Scott? No, I, I do agree with that. I think you're right because if he was in the middle of of raping her and and she shot him, then yeah. it's self defense. But he had stopped. Mm-hmm. And he was just standing there, looking at the looking at the two of them, being an asshole. Don't get me wrong, being an asshole. So yeah. she shot him for being an asshole. So yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's murder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, he like yeah says you know S my C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that just that just sets her off. <laughs> um, I I took that from a, a Will Ferrell basketball movie. Anyways, uh, sorry, <laughs> digression. Uh, Semi pro. There we go. Yeah, How so, do you but go from Thelma Louise to semi-pro? Let's reel it back. S- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, anyways. <laughs> but but this, is, again, this is the this decision. Um, now, of course, we, we, we learn later that Susan Sarandon has had this trauma, and that is why she, she does what she does. However, this basically breaks whatever the heck they were going to do. And this, is a, this, this was a bad decision, and it puts them on a path um, right, to, which we talked about earlier, but it, you know, there's no que- to me. There's no question in my mind. This is this is cut and dry. Um, what happened here? Now, but, you know, they have their lives and all that, but just just morally, I I, I just want to make that point. But but say it was you know 100 percent self defense. I think yeah. Louise still would have uh, done this because I think this taps into what yeah, we I were agree. saying earlier about the Me Too movement, everything like that about believing us. She. She mentions, you know, okay, you're going to, you know, we're going to tell them self-defense. Who's going to believe us? Yeah. Right. You know, and I think that taps into, you know, modern day and what, you know, everyone's saying, you and, know. And this probably wasn't the first, sorry, just, this probably wasn't the first time this Harlan guy's done this to a woman. And I think that's something we're supposed to understand, too, is that yeah, this, is, this, yeah. is, this is making a stand uh, for guys like this uh, kind of a thing. That, that you know, that's a good point, because uh, watching the film... Uh, even the first time, I, I just got the impression that that this is not an isolated incident. That no. he was just really, you know, he's been, I would say, disrespectful to to women before. Yeah. But you know, in terms of like, so they go on the road, and you know, they're they're on the run rather. They're they're fugitives now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they they are they they are so afraid to talk to the cops to get them mm-hmm. to turn themselves in. They're yeah. so afraid that they will not be listened to. And, and that, that is what makes it one of the things that makes it so timely and relevant for, for these last couple of years is that, you know, there've been so many women who've been uh, harassed, who've been uh, uh, groped, uh, fondled, uh, assaulted that didn't come forward 
because they were afraid that no one would believe him. Yeah, he said, she said kind of deal. Yeah, I, right. I, I definitely understand that. Great point, Scott. I, before I forget, I do want to uh, ask uh, two questions because I'm going to forget if I don't ask them at <laughs> <Okay>. once. Uh, <laughs> so was was Harvey Keitel genuinely trying to help? And secondly, what, again, this is kind of doesn't even relate to the first question, but what do you think of the decision to not really go into detail of what happened to Luis in Texas? Answer Sorry, the second question one, first. But, okay. I'm going to answer the second question first. If the Before, movie was made today, you know what you would have seen? You would have seen a flashback montage mm-hmm. of a younger actress playing Louise yeah. and uh, getting getting probably raped. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you yeah. would have had this long exposition, something. The fact that you don't go into detail, you don't need to. You don't need to. Yes. Good Something point. bad happened in Texas. I mean, she won't even drive through the state to get to Mexico. <laughs> yeah. We're in Oklahoma. We're trying to get to Mexico. Well, there's a giant thing in the middle, and it's called Texas. How are we supposed to do that? <laughs> but yeah. uh, so the fact that you don't know the detail, uh, I think that's a great that's a great decision on Callie Corey's part to not provide too much background you know enough something bad happened that is all you need to know and uh the uh the first question about about how harvey keitel's uh, uh detective yeah i never for one second after all these years all right almost 30 freaking years now <laughs> yep. never for one moment from the first time to the times i've seen it over the years i never doubted his intentions I always, always felt that Hal was a good man, that he really wanted to help. When he's on the phone and he's telling, uh, I think it was Louise by this point, just, just, you know, like, don't do this. Like, he's trying to reason with her to turn themselves in. I will do everything in my power. But, you know, she knows that that is not enough. Mm -hmm. She knows that that won't, that won't mean diddly squat uh, in in a court of law. But uh, the last scene, uh, it, it still gives me the, 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 both the chills and gets me uh, emotional at the same time. When Thelma and Louise are in the car and, and she just says, let's go. And, and they, hit the, they hit the accelerator. <laughs> the wheels start spinning. The dust kicks up. The car is going. And then in slow motion, you see Hal running after yes. the car. Why would he do that if he had any other intention other to just than, than to just to try to help them? Right. He yeah. did not want this. He even said to you know the other guy, uh, S- uh, Stephen Tobolowsky. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he said to you know when they got to when 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 the car is at the edge near the edge of the cliff and all the cop cars and the helicopters all come down and you know Hal says to the guy like what, what is all this what are you doing and he goes <laughs> he goes Tabalowski says you know what? you're too close to this man yeah. stop step away we got this right uh, yeah you know, i really believe that cuz i remember when having conversations with people back in the day about how man all the all the men in this film are assholes and i said no <laughs> no not no, all of them not all. harvey Keitel's character is is the lone lone like genuinely good man even even michael madsen who yeah i was going to say michael madsen i think is pretty genuine i don't think he was sh- eh. shed in a terrible light but what are you going to say there 
Yeah, I'm you go saying kicking. it's opportunistic. That's the guy he strikes me as. You know, when he can help, he'll help. And then, like, what the whole thing with the engagement ring? Well, this is not genuine. He just doesn't want her to leave. You know, we're almost, it's like another version of uh, what was happening to the Thelma character with her husband. It's sort of kind of the same thing. He wants to keep her in a box. Well, yeah. okay, but but on that, okay, so Michael Madsen's character, who's uh, the boyfriend of Louise, Susan Sarandon. So she needs him to get the money. So uh, he brings the money to her physically. And, you know, they're having a conversation in the motel where, uh, you know, he wants her to, wants her to marry him, but it's not, <laughs> yeah. like you said, it's not genuine. It's like, Oh, Hey, hey here, here, catch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but for a split second, like they start to argue mm-hmm. and he, he flips the furniture. He like throws a bit of a fit. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I would say that after Harvey Keitel's character, the next best thing to a man in the film is Michael Madsen's character. But yeah. he is still problematic. He's still showing signs of, uh, <laughs> of violence. You know, <laughs> yes. like yeah. he, he, they get into a fight. Who knows? So like, is he going to hit her? You know, you don't know. Exactly. Um, That's the next step. He gets mad at the table and right. then really from for nothing. And then is her face next. So I felt exactly. that definitely. Yeah. So that's yeah. why that's why while you know I I genuinely I, I did uh, empathize with the character I I was on his side you know in in spite of that uh, momentary lapse of reason, um, but I mean you know he did he did go there he could have just wired the money he he got on a plane he said he hates flying. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> as do I. I do hate flying. Uh, I hate it even more now. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, you, you oh, am I gonna? Yeah, <laughs> crashing. Yeah. Crashing is one thing. Now I'm gonna get coronavirus. So double, yeah, double negative. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't pay me enough to get on a plane at this no. point. But you know, it was just there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of conversation back at, back in the day, and there was a lot of conversation when it was the 25th anniversary. Uh, in in uh, 16. Um, but at the time, so Kenneth Turan referred to the movie as a neo-feminist road movie. Yeah, okay, I can see Whereas that. Whereas Sheila Benson from the LA Times countered saying it's not a feminist movie because it's more preoccupied with revenge and violence. Hmm. So you see how there's arguments for and against. And I'll tell you, guys, anytime you can have a movie that stirs a conversation where nobody's wrong, right? It's a beautiful thing. That's interesting yeah. because I watched this with my wife uh, prepping for the show, and she was a little against the idea of this being a feminist film. She was kind of like, you know, they're just doing dumb stuff and they're committing crime. I'm kind of losing sympathy with them a little bit. And I thought that was kind of interesting here from my wife. <laughs> well, that's that's what Sheila Benson's quote just was just now. Like, yeah. how is yeah. this how is this a feminist movie? And believe me, I'm not the women... Christopher McDonald character, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're 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 you know uh inciting violence, they're yeah. they're doing revenge. Um, <laughs> you know, in the end, what they did was not a, a, a moment of female empowerment. Um was it was it uh, it was a it was an act of final desperation yeah and like if, if it was a, a in a sense that they're that they they did go to trial and it turned into a a, a phenomenon and then it turned into a movement that caused change 
then it becomes like a feminist movie. Well, let me just pose just to go back a little bit to something we were talking about, I don't know, a while ago. Maybe it doesn't have to be feminist, quote unquote. Maybe it's just about showing female characters doing these crazy things. Um, I can see this being a a guy movie in in a way. And they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be they don't have to be saying the lines of whatever the current zeitgeist is, you know, whatever they're teaching in college today or something like that. (laughs) Maybe it doesn't have to tick all those boxes. Maybe it's just about watching women do these things. There are flawed two flawed characters sent on a path and they kind of make their decisions as they go. I mean, maybe that's, I don't want to call it true feminism or something like that, but maybe the true just leave it aside. Maybe it doesn't need analysis in a sense. That is a great point. I just want to point out that for everyone listening there, these are three white guys. talking about <laughs> <feminism>. <laughs> I'm trying <not> to. <laughs> So granted, you know, we're not as informed as we probably should be, but you know, this is all about having an opinion. Right. Which we all have. So I uh, just wanted to sort of like um, put that uh, qualifier <laughs> there in a blockbuster mentality. Yes. I've, um, I've said it a couple of times on the show. Like, again, we're, we're just a couple of white guys. Like, we, we're, well, we, we're not here, you know. In our defense, we're, just, we're watching this as a movie. We're not watching this as, as social critics or, you know, we're, we're not watching it with that, that lens. I'm watching this. Does, does this movie entertain me? Is, does it make sense? Uh, that kind of a thing. And, and that's it. I just leave it aside. I'm not claiming to be anything more than a, than a, than a movie watcher. So that's my, that's my cop out. Well, when, when I saw the film in 91, let's see, I was 22. Uh, boy, am I, boy, am I dating the hell out of myself. Not right at all. <laughs> so I was 22 years old and I'm watching this movie and I, I was like you, I, I watched it just to be entertained yeah. and I was absolutely 100% entertained by this film. It wasn't until the movie started, more people started to see it. Yeah. And then the, the, uh, the conversation really kicked in that I started to see the movie and appreciate it for for the the, conver- uh, the things that it was a uh, it was uh, inciting for the conversations uh, the the talks the uh, you know the the pros and the cons uh, the feminism not not feminism um, but overall I mean I watch it now and I and I I still am entertained beyond belief watching this yeah. movie it is a it is it's definitely in my top ten uh, and really uh, okay yeah it's in my yeah. top ten because again. You know, like it's it's like this with music for me too. Like if there's an album that I really, really love, I don't listen to it all the time because I don't yeah. want to get sick of it. You know? Yeah. Like uh, you know, one of my favorite albums of all time is Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. But okay. I don't oh, yeah. listen to it. I don't listen to it a lot because right. I wanna when I listen to it, I wanna a, listen to the whole thing. Uh, and I don't want to get sick of it. So well, yeah, it's, a, it's like it, it's like a fine meal. If you had a yeah. fine meal every single, you know, every single dinner, you know, it's just going to be like eh, just a normal meal. Meal now, and yeah, it's you, you don't want that to happen with the with the the art you choose to to digest. What's up, Dave? What if you we got? Can, before we move too far <laughs> off from the Harvey Keitel character, Hal, I got a couple of questions about this and it's not necessarily critique but just something i noticed while i was watching so uh when he shows up at the scene uh at the bar he he interviews quote unquote uh an uh a waitress who who works there clearly they have some kind of relationship and i think harvey Keitel is so charming uh in this role uh in their interaction but he he asks her 
trying to find, uh, you know, did you see them? Did you see what kind of car they were driving? And she's like, no. And she, she tells us and tells him, tells Hal that these girls aren't murderers um, kind of a thing. And, and I think that definitely that plans something in his brain of how he's going to approach um, his job going forward. But I was kind of miffed a little bit because the next time we see him, he's in an office searching for a 1960s Thunderbird. And it, he then later says, well, witnesses said that it was a Thunderbird. And I was a little kind of like, well, we didn't see that kind of a thing. Um, that kind of just miffed me a little bit. I would have liked to see just maybe, uh, I don't know, another server run up to the scene and go, oh, yeah, those girls, they drove a Thunderbird or something. I, I thought oh, that, oh. that was a missing piece. And then he goes and breaks into Susan Sarandon's house. And I was almost led to believe thinking maybe he knows her in some other other life he knows who she is in some way and that never quite there seems like there's more to this character i don't want to say because it did you know it got accolades for editing and screenwriting but i felt like something about this character was there was some threads a little bit cut along the way here that might have been connected in another way oh i never noticed that but that's a really good point that's a really yeah. really good point wow wow good 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 eye yeah. <laughs> good, good eye but, uh, <laughs> you did it Good evening, Dave. So nobody <laughs> has anything us. just to say. Good point. All right, all right, that's wait. It. Yeah. Uh, no, no. I mean, that's a that's a good. Well, yeah. I mean, as, as far as uh, the yeah. So yeah, he goes to the the Harvey Keitel goes to the truck stop, and you know, there's something he's been either either they had a relationship or he's been there before a yeah, few definitely. times. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. So, like, he knows like, that yeah. girl. Yeah. But but she yeah she says she says that I forget the exact words, but it's like uh, there's no way. That you know, uh, he he they, doesn't she say like he he probably had a coming or no or, definitely yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's he's because he's got we we learned that uh, was it Harlan he's got a wife and he's basically he's a serial philanderer call it that okay well let me ask you since since you asked me <clears throat> about <laughs> the Harvey Keitel character yeah. uh you know do I do, do whether or not I believed that that you know he was really one hundred percent a good man and there was nothing. He didn't have another like motive that was a little more like doing his job. Uh, what was your take on JD, the character played by Brad Pitt? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I believe you know Brad Pitt has always been a great actor. I think he was labeled as this you know Hollywood heartthrob from the start, and I almost think that hindered his acting career a little bit, but um, I think as an actor, I think he did a great job. Uh, the character, how it was introduced and everything, um, I mean, I didn't have any problem with it. I mean, it's it's a little distracting nowadays just because it's Brad Pitt, and you're like, oh, look, it's Brad Pitt when <laughs> yeah, he's younger, yeah. you know? So it's like, it's hard to look at it in that way, but, um, but I think it was a good way to kind of, uh, for, you know, Thelma to grow, you know, for her to find, you know, someone, even though he, you know, robs her uh, to kind of find someone <laughs> she can, she, she connects with. And he told even her after, ahead of time, by the way, I mean, she, she used his technique for robbing <laughs> the, the convenience stores. So she yeah, still yeah. learned from him. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think it was a good addition. You know, the character was, uh, what do you guys think? Uh, go, oh, go ahead. Go, no, you go, Dave, take it. <laughs> no, I think this is a, a veiled version of, you can't really trust any man kind of a thing even if he's covered in you know sugar and cinnamon kind of a deal because he is 
and yeah. and he tells her he, he flat out says i'm a i'm a robber and that she leaves money on the dresser and what does he do he robs her <laughs> you know <laughs> kind of a thing and even you have to be careful of you have to make better decisions i think it was a in a way it was it was telling two things which is uh don't just trust any man uh, no matter how <laughs> no matter how gorgeous he is, Ben. <laughs> and two, you've got to make decisions for yourself. Recognize the snake in the grass kind of a thing, or that there could be a snake in the grass And, and for, for Thelma and Louise, for both of them. So that's what I would call uh, J.D. He's, he, he's, not, he's not Harlan, certainly. There was no rape there. They had a great time. But it's just sort of another version of the kind of – the kind of bad man you might come across in your life. Uh, so that's my take. Well, you know, it's, it, um, it's conflicting because on one hand, like you point out, she, she you know, Thelma was uh, liberated. <laughs> she had a liberating experience <laughs> with him in more ways than one physically <laughs> and emotionally yes. and also psychologically because, you know, she just developed this confidence to go in and rob a convenience store. Right. But at the same time, you know, there's that scene later in the film when Harvey Keitel says to Brad Pitt, you know, you, they, they were, you rob them of their last chance for, for like, uh, I forget the exact words. He, he, he said like, you know, they, they had one chance and you took it from them, Yeah, you know? And he was like, you know, he felt bad, whatever. But uh, yeah, he was definitely a, a, a crook, you know, he was definitely, <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> you know, he, he, he took the money. I mean, uh, but you know, but at the same time, even with the money, they would not have gotten, to Mexico. Yeah, yeah. They never would have made it. And and yeah. I just think that because they never would have made it anyway, uh the growth in Thelma's character was was actually turned out to be much more significant because of that desperation that they mm. now had to get money where they could. It was a learning yeah. experience then, right? Because in, in a couple of different ways of Yeah, know, maybe, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, that's what you want to call it. Going to Mexico, we've heard this in a lot of movies. I'm I'm heading for the border. What's the? It's never clear what the plan is after Mexico. <laughs> well, I Start guess a new life. Whatever whatever money they got, it's going to get them a lot further in Mexico than it will in Texas. <laughs> exactly. It is interesting about this film, though, the way we w- way we go from Hal to JD. That is interesting, and it, it does kind of explain or, or show the development of, of these two characters that, that's showing the contrast between the two. So that I'm glad you brought that up, Scott. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just, it's just the, the, uh, when you get to, to the last maybe 20 minutes of the film, you know, there's that, that moment when they're driving through the desert, it's at night and they're the only car on the road and the light from the dashboard is lighting up their faces, yes, right. right? So, so it shows like Thelma, and she looks, she's looking straight ahead and serious. And then it shows Louise, and she's looking straight ahead and serious. Then it goes back to Thelma, and you see the smile start to creep up on her face. And <laughs> yeah. then it goes back to Louise, and then you start to see her smile too. It is not a word is said, but. Yeah. The complete realization, the complete fulfillment of self that they are both realizing for the first time in their lives. And the no one's going to take that away from them mm-hmm. right. unless they, they 
they make that decision yeah. themselves. They're in they, control. They they were for the first time they were in control. That yeah. the ultimate realization of of, of uh, fulfillment uh, that they were they were living their own life on their terms. Mm-hmm. Right. No. And, definitely. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because I mean, you know, we we touch on this a little about being kind of. Uh, imprisoned you know not not free uh, you know obviously Thelma was kind of imprisoned by her by her husband and Louise I think you know was kind of imprisoned by her you know past trauma yeah. you know that we don't you know f- no full details but we get the gist of, of what <laughs> yeah. happened to her but yeah she's definitely imprisoned by that now I mean you do you do have Thelma who you know moved on and you know went with JD slash Brad Pitt uh, and you know had uh, had a good time with him but uh, obviously Louise kind of went through that with with Jimmy she obviously moved on from her trauma but she knows that uh, it's just interesting. Interesting to me that she knows that Thelma is still gonna have that with her always, the rest of her life. Yeah. Uh, so you know, either way, she's either gonna be imprisoned by the cops right now, or she's gonna be imprisoned by, you know, the trauma uh, she went through. So what's better to be going through that trauma in jail? Or uh, driving off a cliff. So I just I, I thought that was uh, <laughs> interesting. Uh, uh, a tidbit. I mean, what, would you but guys? You're going agree? On your I mean, I, I know way, it's. Though. Yeah, I think it's obvious that Thelma's imprisoned by her husband. But I was, you know, trying to find what Louise was imprisoned by. I mean, would you guys agree that she's imprisoned by that that trauma? Uh, of hers? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would absolutely say that that she's uh, she's a prisoner of her own uh, of her own. Uh, uh, fears. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, the Michael Madsen character, Scott, I mean, Jimmy, we, he showed that violence. It's, it's a half hearted engagement ring that he kind of had planned. I mean, he showed up for her, but I mean, that's kind of, I think maybe there's a realization in her mind, which is what, this is the best I can do. No, thanks. If that's the best right. I could do, I, I want to, I'm going to exactly. move on here. Yeah. Great. That's a great point, Dave. I mean, he, he didn't exactly sweep her up off her feet, you know? Um, and I think at that point in the film and that point in her life after, especially this weekend, she didn't want to be swept off of her feet. She wanted her money and she wanted it, you know, I'm going to, I don't care how I'm going to do it, but I'm, I'm on my own. And, you know, you're either with me or you're against me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this total movie, si- Go ahead. yeah, I just said this movie, it just, uh, you know, for everyone listening, if you have Hulu, uh, last time I checked, I was uh, surfing through Hulu the other day, and Thelma and Louise is playing on Hulu. So if you have Hulu and yep. you've not seen Thelma and Louise, yep. or you haven't seen it in a while, right. do yourself a favor. <laughs> if you love movies, even, even just a little bit, do yourself a favor and watch Thelma and Louise. You will Definitely. not not regret it 100 percent. uh if you if you haven't seen it we just spoiled the whole thing for you but still watch it <laughs> yeah you know, just still... that's not always a bad thing though as in my yeah, true. yeah listening to podcasts yeah. listening to people explain things you go and you watch and you're like yes now i yes i i've, I've sort of i've been i've i've put in my mind the things that, that yeah. these guys have talked about and now i'm experiencing it the way they that kind of talked about and yes this is as good as they say by the way now i want to say oh, uh, go sorry. ahead dave just Go ahead. Just, no, it's all you. <laughs> Scott, the night scene um, is great as they're driving through the desert. I don't know where they're going through Monument Valley. I don't know. Yeah, it's not, yeah geography, it looks like Monument Valley. <laughs> geography isn't quite 
<laughs> it's a step yeah, it's, uh, that was not the Grand Canyon. I think they filmed in California and yeah. Utah, I read. Yeah. But still, is there anything in this film that's not beautiful? Is there a scene, a shot? And I know this is, you know, this is a Ridley Scott cliche of how great he is with the camera, but this film is absolutely gorgeous from minute one to the end. Agree completely. Yeah. Watching this movie makes me want to go out and just drive through the <laughs> desert. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it really. Yeah. Uh, 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 I remember when I first saw the film. I remember thinking, like, where where are they exactly? And then you know, right. after I'd been living in California for a few years, you know, I'd made the trip to to driven to Vegas, and I you know driven to Sonoma and and uh, the Grand. I've driven to the Grand Canyon, um, but not Monument Valley, which is where this does look like. It was right. filmed, you know, just like yeah. uh, hundreds of other movies, but yeah. it's like the searchers, um, right? <laughs> back yeah. Yeah. The searchers and back to the future part three. There you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is not that bad. I, I kind of like that movie. Speed. I love back to the future three. Thank you. Back to the future two. I don't like and, that. I think it's a yeah. mess, but back to the future part three yes. is, is more about doc Brown and his love story. And, and the, the last 20 minutes of the film, when the, the train is pushing the time. Machine great. To eight. It's so great. How <laughs> to go from green go to yellow to red, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Three, it was so good. Three back to way. the future part three is on Netflix. So watch that. Well, definitely. Three, three is way, way underrated. I will, I will give you that um, real quick. I just want to read a couple tweets and then we'll get into our final thoughts and rating. Uh, this, this is a cute one. I like this one. This is from Bonnie M at NC Bonnie one. She said, my best friend and I gifted each other with quote you're the Thelma to my Louise unquote, oh, nice. and vice versa coffee cups it's about loyalty and survival yeah. yes even with that ending a little uh, bit of a great point yeah 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 that but that's awesome yeah you got that with your with your friend don't drive off a cliff with your friend no please, but it's a fantasy you know? I think yeah I th- I, 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 <laughs> no, we're not supposed to take yeah. this so literally in a sense right. maybe we pull back a little bit this is that's so- why we analyze films Dave <laughs> <Yeah>. we, uh, <laughs> thank you Bonnie and then uh the top six podcast uh says top six Hollywood hunk Brad Pitt in that one total hunkage for sure yep. I mean yep. Yep. yeah yeah you know you can we be all a, wish we looked you can like be a red-blooded straight guy and look at <laughs> yeah. Brad Pitt in that movie and go yeah Damn, there's no deni- <laughs> there's I mean, no I'm, denying it I got a dispute <laughs> <laughs> what am I gonna say uh and then uh one more here uh Frakes on at Frank's on film, just watched Thelma and Louise recently. What a film! Really enjoyed it. I kept thinking to myself, why haven't I watched this yet? Considering how much I love Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis, yes, uh, both amazing performances. Yeah, uh, deservedly uh, got nominations for for uh, best actress. What about my uh, tweet? Uh, well, you said, why are you going on this crappy show, Scott? And uh, not nice. So, uh, <laughs> thanks a lot, Dave. But uh, all right. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's Thelma and Louise. Wait, wait. I got one more question for oh, you. Go ahead. Well, no. Yeah. We're one open. more question. And I, I, I've been waiting till the very last moment to ask you guys. If they made. Or, or rather. Okay. Could. Thelma Louise get made today. Would it get made today? Ooh, um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think uh, especially with uh, the yeah, yeah. I think I think it would. It was more surprising that it came out in '91 than than today. I, th- I think absolutely it would get made today. 
Yeah, I think it was ahead of its time and could absolutely be made today. One thing that probably would change, and I agree. I mean, I, I think that uh, compared to 91 and, and in the years that followed where people at the time predicted that Thumb and Louise would, would uh, uh, lead to a fundamental shift in roles for women in film, that didn't really happen, but it's certainly happening now. Um, I think absolutely the film would have, get, would, have, would have been made today. Without hesitation, I'm saying the film would have been made today with one very important change. And that change being it would have been directed by a woman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, that's a great point. Ab- absolutely. In fact, I think that if there was an announcement that this movie was going to get made and a male director was already attached – I think there would have been a backlash oh, leading to a woman directing the film. As for who, uh, <laughs> I would say just based on, well, I mean, just a couple of films that she's done. Um, Patty Jenkins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. Between Monster in 2003 with Charlie Theron, which she won an Oscar, and, of course, Wonder Woman. You know, yeah. she can handle – she can handle uh, obviously a uh, um, you know uh, a relationship movie. She can handle human drama, and she can also handle action. Um, but also, uh, I would say uh, Karen Kusama would be another uh, another uh, choice. Uh, she made a movie a couple of years ago called Destroyer with Nicole Kidman. That was oh, just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that oh yeah, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, she she looks. That's the one where she's like her, her makeup, like she totally doesn't look like Nicole Kidman, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. That's uh, what are your real quick. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on remakes? Like, are you a, are you a fan? Like, what what are your thoughts on that? Listen, some of my favorite movies are remakes, and and yeah, in the in the rare chance that you have a remake that that is so great that it becomes the version that you think of. For example, uh, The Fly. Mm. I think of Cronenberg, you know, and Gina Davis. Um, When I think of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I think of the version with Donald Sutherland, directed by Philip Kaufman. Um, I I generally, you know, shrug and uh, feel a little bit of a vomit come up in my throat when I see (laughs) that movies are going to get remade because it's like, come on, uh, like, or or even, you know, a sequel. Uh, but I, I love to be proven wrong and I've never been more against a sequel than when I heard that they were making a sequel to Blade Runner. I was absolutely up in arms. Like, how dare they like, why don't you make a sequel to freaking citizen Kane while you're at it? I mean, (laughs) But look at that movie. Oh yeah, yes. Denny I mean, Villeneuve. We were big fans. We were yeah, he, really hearing Denny Villeneuve was directing it was yeah. making me like, okay, I, yeah. I think we're in good hands. You know, so that's how I felt when I when yeah. I when I saw that Villeneuve was directing, and this was uh, at the time uh, I had only seen of his movies. I'd seen Enemy, Prisoners, and uh, uh, Sicario. Right. Uh, Arrival hadn't opened yet. Um, yeah. But. But that I, I absolutely felt like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with this now. Yeah. Yeah. How about definitely. you? What do you think of remakes? Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty similar. Like, I, I like to give things a chance. I like to be proven wrong, as you said. Yeah. You know, I, I always go back to 
when Heath Ledger was announced that he was going to be Joker, I was <laughs> angry, I was mad, and then I was proven wrong. So until I see the film, I, you know, I try I to keep an open mind, right? Yeah. Exactly. I try my best to, to keep an open mind. Uh, but yeah, there are the eye roll moments, the vomiting, as you say, like, <laughs> oh, come on, what's, what's going on? Why do we got to do this? Um, so yeah, uh, it it just depends. <laughs> it just depends. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, again, Thelma and Louise. Now, uh, Scott, we do have a rating system here. Proprietary. Uh, we- what was that? Proprietary. It's very yep. trademarked. <laughs> uh, so, so we uh, base our films on quality and entertainment. So quality is going to be a stars rating out of five. Entertainment's going to be a buckets of popcorn rating out of five. So obviously your stars are your Citizen Canes, your buckets of popcorns are your diehards. Uh, so we'll, we'll let, we'll let Dave start. Dave, uh, <laughs> what, what would, uh, what would you rate this film? All right. I will start this thing in terms of stars. I think this is a good movie, a very good movie. This is well acted, uh, of course, directed by Ridley Scott, although, you know, in a remake now, <laughs> Scott's saying we have to put a female director, but I think Ridley Scott did a really good job here. I mean, particularly for the time, I think I got, edu- I think we both got educated on this for 1991 for this kind of a film to have it really stirring the pot, I guess. To, to us, it doesn't seem quite as big of a deal now because we've seen a lot of stuff like this. But I think for the time, you've got to give, got to give credit there to, for Ridley Scott. It's, all, of course, a beautiful movie. And there's a lot in this film. So in terms of uh, stars, I'm going to say three stars. This is a good movie. And um, buckets of popcorn. I think this is more entertaining then quality, I'm going to give it four buckets of popcorn. So three stars, four buckets. I had a lot of fun in this in this movie. It is a great, great, great ride off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. How about, how about you, Scott? And you can go halvesies. Or thirds. Well, listen, <laughs> I, I just hold this movie in such high regard uh, that in terms of uh, quality, you know, like Dave pointed out, every shot in this film is gorgeous. Uh, the production values of this movie, the cinematography, uh, there's not a wasted moment in the film. Yeah. Uh, it, it all, every scene, every, everything that you see in here matters. Uh, I, and I just, like I said, because it's in my top 10, I got to give it five stars. And in terms of entertainment value, I could watch this movie a whole lot more <laughs> than I do. Uh, yeah. And then again, it's a choice not to, because I want to preserve, <laughs> I want to preserve the, uh, the the enjoyment as much as i can uh so i i try to sort of stay away from it a little bit but uh in terms of uh popcorn uh, you know entertainment value it's five and five my friends Excellent. all right i mean top 10 yeah i mean it's it's i wouldn't expect anything less so <laughs> my uh, my terrible analogy for uh, scott's point here about not wanting to go go to the well too much is is pork rinds i love pork rinds but i only eat them like you know once every six or 12 months i know terrible, <laughs> but that's how i feel uh, that is awful i'll, I'll yeah you, but if i eat pork rinds every all. day i'd be like ah it's gross <laughs> i uh i I'm going to start with uh, popcorn. Uh, I was highly entertained by this movie, way more than I thought it would be. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, even through, you know, after the darkness of some of the scenes and everything, it's still, it's an easy watch, uh, 
you know, even with those dark themes. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to give it three and a half buckets of popcorn, um, which is way higher than I ever thought I was going to give it. Um, and, and talking through a movie often changes my original rating. Uh, you know, it helps me oh. appreciate it more, everything like that. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to actually give this four stars. I think it's, uh, you know, Ridley Scott did a great job, amazing acting. Again, the cinematography, uh, editing, everything like that. Just, uh, and the, and the, and the themes of it, the, you know, being, um, you know, imprisoned, uh, metaphorically and in breaking and being free one last time liberation uh, man yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> so yeah uh, uh yeah so that's uh that's thelma and louise with scott Mance. scott it's been an absolute pleasure having you i'm so glad we were finally able to schedule this and 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 get it in the books um obviously you know you're welcome back anytime uh, Great. But, yeah um, no definitely yeah uh, uh where uh, where can people find you What's what's going on with you? What's uh, do your whole ending spiel? Oh, well, well, uh, I definitely want everyone listening to hit me up on Twitter at Movie Mance, and it's uh, Movie with and Mance M A N T Z. It's not C E or M A N S. Movie Mance with a T Z. So hit me up on Twitter and uh, let us know what you thought of today's conversation. Uh, if you agree, disagree, if you disagree with some of our points, tell us why, because I love to learn what yeah. other people think. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, maybe there's something I didn't think of. But, yeah, you can also follow me on uh, on uh, Instagram at Movie Mance. But the uh, thing I want to point out is that I've been doing my own film series myself uh, on YouTube. My YouTube channel, it's just called Scott Mance. But uh, I've been doing a weekly show called Rank and File. Mm-hmm. And I, I talked about this before for a bit. Um, every week, I take every film in a series of movies and I rank them from worst to best, giving stats on how much it cost, how much it made, what the Rotten Tomatoes score was, but analyzing why uh, some movies are not very good and certain movies are the best and why a movie is number one. So the show is called Rank and File and check it out on my YouTube channel, which is Scott Mance. And I would really appreciate it. Thank you. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, check him out. And uh, I have one more question. It's a <laughs> typical, typical, you know, I don't know, journalist question, but I have to know. Yep. I know you've met a lot of celebrities in your career, you know, interviewed them. <laughs> but... If you had to pick one celebrity that you haven't met yet or interviewed, <laughs> who would it be? Paul McCartney. Okay. That's Paul wow, that was quick. Yeah. I met him. I, I, I met for him. So, okay, so you have met him. I okay. Met him like, <laughs> I met him four times, but I haven't interviewed him. Okay. Yes. I yeah. want to interview yeah. Paul McCartney. <laughs> I mean, there's no one else. I mean, I've 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 interviewed, you know, Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, Harrison Ford, uh, Emma Stone and I yeah. are I we we get it, Scott. We get it. All right, you know. It's, I think I'm wondering. Oh, wait, wait. I, I got a question for you, Ben. Uh, <laughs> your guitar uh, behind you with all yep. the uh, stickers on it. What's what's that about? <laughs> uh, that's that's just my not. I don't want to say junk guitar, but uh, that's because I have a better guitar. It's an Ibanez up here, acoustic. I'm an acoustic guy. Uh, but yeah, I just I decided to sticker bomb it with different, uh, you know, some blockbuster mentality logos, some uh, movie related things. I have a Tyrell Enterprises oh, sticker on it. More I have, human uh, than human. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. Pull, pull it out, yeah. 
Yeah, might as well, might as well do that. <laughs> there's the there's the Tyrell Tyrell sticker. I got Joker. Just got that blockbuster mentality Disney logo. Local bre- <laughs> local brewery right That's here. Awesome. That's Black awesome. Panther, Lion King mix up. Anyways, you know. Oh, and this this is a fun fun one. This is on Robert De Niro's jacket in Taxi Driver, uh, oh, King nice. Kong Company. Uh, his what he was in the in the Marines or whatever. It's it's it was his group. So that fun, is a fun uh, little that fact. Is, that's a deep cut, buddy. <laughs> yes, exactly. I've got I've uh, got one last for Scott. Oh, you, you yeah, do have another hear, one, Scott? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, now I I think I watched uh, Rank and File, and you had I think the songbook open for the Beatles and and your guitar. Uh, open. And that might have been a, the Star Trek episode, and I am a fan. And I and I know you are a huge fan of Star Trek. Huge. However, my co-host, my my Thelma, uh, <laughs> does, is not a fan of Star Trek. He is is he has not ever really even watched any Star Trek. So give me give give him a pitch or tell him he's a bad human being or or something of why he <laughs> needs to watch and uh, why he needs to watch Star Trek before we get out of here. All right. If you are not watching Star Trek, if you have never <laughs> seen Star Trek after 54 years from when the show premiered on September 8, 1966, you have what time of day? It was 7:30 p.m. <laughs> Thursday night. It was he a knows. Thursday night. He knows. On on NBC knows. TV and like you have not just the original series, you have Next Generation, you have Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, Discovery, Picard. You have the friggin' animated series, and you have 13 feature films, or 14 if you count Galaxy Quest, which I very much do. Galaxy really? Quest, that was I love that movie. It's so great. What do you – why – what do you – what are you? What are you thinking? You've never seen Star Trek. Are you oh. out of your mind? Okay, so let me. Where where should he start? Give him a starting point. I would say the menagerie, but do you have a, some another starting point? The the you got to start with the original series. And I have to. You got to start the first. All right, just do do me a favor, Ben. Just <laughs> just just for me. Just do it for me. Do it. Do it for your Louise here. But do it. Do it for me. Just watch one. Do you have Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or any it's of that? It's on Hulu. Yeah, yeah. All right. I have the Hulu. Ori- yeah. All right. The original series is on Hulu. Okay. <laughs> okay. There is an episode in the first season called "Balance of Terror." Yes. Okay. It's the first, it's the first yes. time yes. that we see the Romulans, and this episode. I mean, there's a lot of episodes I could refer you to. But this one's just, you know, it kind of moves the paces a little bit quicker. Right. But it is also, uh, uh, it is a, a, a great story uh, about, uh, there's a, one of the guys on the bridge of the Enterprise is kind of a racist. And yeah. Kirk calls him out on it. And William Shatner's performance in Balance of Terror is like one of the best performances he ever gave as Kirk. The episode is so great. It represents the very best of what Star Trek is all about. It's 50 minutes of your life. <laughs> okay. 50 minutes of I, your I life. Think I, I think I can handle that. Just yeah. trust the mints. Watch <laughs> Star Trek. Scott, have and you ever I, made a list? Guess, have you ever made a, a Star Trek best of Star Trek list or a watch guide or anything like that? Or, you know what? That's a great idea. I should probably do that on rank and file. <laughs> but but you know what, Ben? If you if you like what you see, I I okay, uh 
Dave and I will give you a a list. You know, we okay. will we will collaborate, collaborate on a list of five five truly great episodes from any of the shows. It doesn't okay. have to just be the the original series um, that you should watch. Okay. And and if you like Balance of Terror and you like these other five, then you the whole world. I'm we're, we are opening up the world to oh, you. Oh man, I know. <laughs> All the right, world. See, look, I, I get it. You're a Star Wars guy. I'm a Star Wars guy, too. But I have always loved Star Trek more because Star I, Trek is about us. It's our future. Yeah. It's, it's aspirational. It's yes. full of hope. It's great characters. They're allegories for the times. It's more philosophical. and provo- You opened up Pandora's box. Yeah, I was just going to say, you opened a, you opened a can of worms here. <laughs> I, you sold me. I'm going to watch. All right, I'll watch. I promise. Uh, it's it might take me a while, you know. It's uh, you know fifty years worth, but uh, I, I'm sure I saw a little clip of you doing a trivia thing with William Shatner. I'm sure that's a career highlight for you. Oh, you kidding? <laughs> William Shatner is the he's like there. There are two people. Okay, William Shatner and Paul McCartney. I've, I've interviewed Shatner, not Paul, but those two guys, Shatner and McCartney, are like my two outside of my family. Uh, <laughs> Aside from grandma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. Uh, uh, yeah. Scott, you might appreciate this uh, just really quick. Uh, I was watching uh, an <laughs> original. Saying really quick. <laughs> I know. I'm just going to keep repeating it, but this really is the last one. I was watching an original series episode. God knows what it was. And my wife walked in because she's got no interest in it, but that's another story. But she goes, <laughs> Who's that guy? I go, What do you mean? That's, that's Kirk. And she goes, No, but who's the actor? She was just struck. She goes, wow, he's really handsome. (laughs) Wow. He's a good looking dude. 60s 60s Shatner is like the thing. (laughs) William Shatner in that, you know, those days, the late 60s, he was, he was, he's the man. I mean, come on. Like, I think, I think Shatner has, uh, he's gotten a bad rap for being over the top with his acting. And Mm -hmm. in, in later years, uh, I would definitely say, uh, you know, when he became more of a comedic actor um, and even even by the third season of the original series, which wasn't as good as the first two. Right. But in the first two seasons of Star Trek, of the original Star Trek, he was right on point. And let me tell you, I became a Star Trek fan when I was six years old because of William Shatner. I wow. became a Star Trek fan because of Captain Kirk. Yeah. I wanted to be Captain Kirk. Absolutely. And guess what? <laughs> I still do. <laughs> I, I'm not, I mean, again, I'm not uh, not against it. I just haven't gotten around to it. It's just one of those things. Don't get you know? around it's to it. Just, I'll, I'll get around when, to when it. This, when, when the stay-at-home order is lifted, I'm going to drive across the country to Tampa. All right. And I'm going to sit with you and your, your, your beat-up guitar, and we are going to watch Star Trek. And FYI, this is this this is a chord buddy for my son. I know how to play guitar. This is just a, a little helper for him. Anyway, <laughs> okay. uh, I, I had to put that out there. <laughs> well, I too play guitar, but I play uh, I play a Taylor eight eight twenty two series, and my but my my throwaway guitar, my beat up guitar that I have stickers on, is a is an Epiphone. Excellent. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up the show. Okay. And uh, Scott, uh, uh, it's been a blast. Uh, again, I can't uh, express uh, my gratitude for you coming on. And pleasure is all mine. 
pleasure is all mine. Uh, Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely, you know, we should do this again. Mm -hmm. I would love to do that. And, uh, you know, when, when the show's all ready to go, make sure you let me know. I'll definitely. Yeah, definitely. We're not going to tell you. We're yeah. Everyone's going to love blockbuster mentality. I love it. I love it. Uh, you can follow us at Blockbuster Cast. I am at BC Core. Dave is at Dave underscore Quiz. But that is it for us. For Scott, for Dave, I'm Ben. And as always, grab some popcorn, grab some snacks. We'll catch you guys at the movies. 